0: A reading from the book of Job. Job spoke saying, is not man's life on earth a drudgery? Are not his days those of hirelings? He is a slave who longs for the shade, a hireling who waits for his wages. So I have been assigned months of misery and troubled nights have been allotted to me. If in bed I say, when shall I arise? Then the night drags on. I am filled with restlessness until the dawn. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. They come to an end without hope. Remember that my life is like the wind. I shall not see happiness again. The word of the Lord.
1: Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, who heals the broken brokenhearted.
0: Praise the Lord, for he is good. Sing praise to our God, for he is gracious. It is fitting to praise him. The Lord rebuilds Jerusalem, the dispersed of Israel he gathers.
1: Praise the Lord, praise Praise the Lord, who heals the brokenhearted.
0: He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He tells the number of the stars. He calls each by name. Praise the
1: Lord, praise the Lord, who heals the brokenhearted.
0: Great is our Lord and mighty in power. To his wisdom there is no limit. The Lord sustains the lowly, the wicked he casts to the ground. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord broken A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, if I preach the gospel, this is no reason for me to boast, for an obligation has been imposed on me, and woe to me if I do not preach it. If I do so willingly, I have a recompense. But if unwillingly, then I have been entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my recompense? That when I preach, I offer the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Although I am free in regard to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so as to win over as many as possible. To the weak, I became weak, to win over the weak, I have become all things, to save at least some. All this I do for the sake of the gospel, so that I too may have a share in it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah!
1: Hallelujah! 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 The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, o
0: Lord.
1: On leaving the synagogue Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand and helped her up. Then the fever left her and she waited on them. When it was evening, after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak, because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let us go on to the nearby villages, that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. He told them, Let us go on to the nearby villages that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. These words that Jesus concludes with as we move from this scene that is filled with action. Today's Gospel pericope, this section of Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 29 through 39, follows right behind where it picks up, right where last week's Gospel left off. He's departing from the synagogue, where he's just cast out an unclean spirit of the man who came rushing into the synagogue, carrying on, trying to interrupt the Lord, but there was to be none of that. And the people we know were astonished, they were amazed at the authority in which he presented the teaching exousia remember the greek exousia out of his person out of the substance of his person but what really caught their attention is that he addressed the unclean spirit that had possession of this man and he cast him out by the spoken word the people were amazed and overwhelmed with reverential regard because they, only, they knew at that point God indeed has visited his people. So now we are presented with this action. Paul, Mark, Mark loves to employ that term immediately, immediately. to to get us in touch with the dynamism, the dynamic manner in which, in the activism, in the the positive sense of that term, activism of the Lord, who is stopping at nothing to realize the reign of God, particularly in the hearts and minds of human beings who have been under the grip and subjection of the devil and his minions since the fall of our parents, Adam and Eve. Their time... Has come to an end, and what we experience in this in-between time—those of us who are I- I joyfully re- reaping the benefits of the already, but longing for the still not yet of the fullness of the coming of the kingdom—in its, in its, in its, where all of this, there will be no longer any sub- sufferings whatsoever. It will all be a part of this. World in its present form, which is passing away, but we are called to persevere. We are called to be encouraged and heartened by the way in which God has come among us. We hear the lament of Job in the first reading. Job says, Life in this world is a drudgery. In other words, that's a term that this says, Life is hard for every last one of us. All of us on some level suffer something in the body, in the soul, in the spirit, in relationships, in circumstances. There is always going to be something on this side of heaven to remind us that we are in a fallen world that has been redeemed, that's in a process of being totally transformed into something new. But in this time, we hear how Job speaks as he does. And it probably brings us to think about something we need to ponder, especially in our American society of this great country of the United States. How many people are working to live? And how many people are living to work? That's a real question. How many people are working to live and how many are living to work? You know, there are those who, their their work is everything for them. They don't hardly have any time for anything. I got to work. And of course, the justification, I have to provide. And truly, you do have to provide for your family, for whoever. But when is enough enough? And at what cost? At what cost? Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And he understands and he recognizes the dignity and the value of work. But we're always being challenged by the Lord and by his gospel to keep things in balance and perspective, particularly from God's point of view. And we can only discern the the point of view of God from God. So we are thankful for the Lord Jesus, who shows us that every single issue that concerns you or me concerns him. Notice what is, what is de- detailed in today's gospel. As they're moving from the synagogue, immediately Simon and Andrew do what? They inform him about Simon's mother in law, who is ill in bed with a fever. Now, for you and I, in our times, we have a fever that's indicative of some type of an infection in the body. And oftentimes, what do we have recourse to? We go to the doctor, we go to the urgent care, and they prescribe amoxicillin or some other uh, antibiotic and things are dealt with usually. But in the time of Christ, they didn't have amoxicillin and uh, antibiotics. Sometimes a, a fever of this type could mean the beginning of the end for some. So they bring it to the Lord's attention. And Jesus, without delay, grasps her by the hand, raises her up. And the term, the Greek, the verb in this gospel that's used for raise her up is the same. It's synonymous with the, the verb for rising from the dead. So it's the same. So, in essence, the Lord is showing he has the power to raise the dead to life. But we know already the word has gone out people the entire village by the time sunset the entire village imagine the chaotic scene at Simon's house in Capernaum there by the sea of Galilee as they were there the whole village just, let us see the lord we know he's in there please let us in and they brought all the people with all type of maladies but even those who were demon possessed And we're told that Jesus attended to each of them. And he would, not allow, he would not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. What a curious thing for the gospel to share. Because they knew him. How did they know him? Never think about that. How did the demons know Jesus? Well, this is Mark's way of letting us know about the preexistence of the eternal word of God before he came in the fullness of time, taking to himself a human nature. When he was still in, his divin- in the fullness of his divinity as the eternal word, we know that God created everything visible and invisible through his eternal word. He spoke and it came to be. That includes the angels. So these fallen angels, these unclean spirits, these demons, they knew him from the fact that they knew he was their creator. But they also know him because he rendered the judgment upon them when they refused to serve We hear about this in the book of Revelation. A great war broke out in heaven. And Michael, leading the legions of angels, the host of angels cast down the serpent, and a third of the other stars fell with him. They all came down. And they've been here ever since, trying to invite us to their miserable party. Misery loves company. And they're trying their best to dissuade us, to distract us in any way they can. I mentioned that last week. How isn't it amazing, it's sometimes so disturbing, some of the things that come into our minds when we're in this holy place, trying to to, to the best of our ability to give ourselves totally over to the Lord, who gives himself totally over to us. And it sometimes it's so overwhelming and we wonder, why, what's wrong with me, Lord? Nothing is wrong with you. It's just a reminder to all of us that they are among us and they are relentless in their assaults, their hypocrisy and their guile know no limits, but neither does the love and mercy of God. The mercy and love of God does not look, it doesn't, um, it doesn't care about the boundaries, all the, the demarcations that our, our society set in place. You know, you have to stay in your area of the city. We'll stay in our area. Jesus, God doesn't play by those rules. Everything is available to him. Every single heart, every single human being created to his image and likeness, he's come to redeem, he's come to renew, to give this life everlasting. And isn't it also wonderful to recognize that it's not just the big issues that the Lord is concerned with, you know, we hear about people being exercised of demons, Lazarus being called forth from the dead, the person born paralyzed and blind being healed, and so forth. It's not just the quote-unquote big things, even a fever. A fever. The Lord will attend to it, just as if it was like a whole legion of demons had taken hold of you. So we learn insight today that Simon and Andrew, accompanied by James and John, they take an opportunity to pray. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is relaying, relating to the Lord, what's going on, talking to Him. You know, and some of you who have devotion to the Daily Mass, you, you go to Daily Mass, and some experiences of the Daily Mass, they open the floor after the, the regular uh, inter- intercessions are offered, and for what else shall we pray? And Hands down, the most dominant petitions that are offered when the floor is opened is for someone who's sick or suffering in some way. That dominates the type of petitions that are brought before the Lord. And rightly so. Because it was a a concern for the Lord who is the head of his body, the church, and so it should be a concern for us, his mystical body. In fact, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1503 and 1505. It states the following. Christ the Physician is the title of this section. Christ the Physician. Christ's compassion toward the sick and his many healings of every kind of infirmity are a resplendent sign that God has visited his people and that the kingdom of God is close at hand. Jesus has power not only to heal, but also to forgive sins. He has come to heal the whole man, soul and body. He is the physician the sick have need of. His compassion toward all who suffer goes so far that he identifies himself with them. Quote, I was sick and you visited me. Close quote. He pre- his, his preferential love for the sick has not ceased through the centuries to draw the very special attention of Christians toward all those who suffer in body and soul. It is the source of tireless efforts to comfort them. But it's also important to think on this. Jesus didn't heal everybody. Not everybody was cured of their maladies then, nor are they cured of their maladies now. There are many of us who have a chronic condition that we will have for the rest of our lives. There are some things that medicine can offer us to mitigate. Of course, a miracle can always happen. But why is it that the Lord allows this to persist? Well, here, paragraph 1505, very powerful. Moved by, such, moved by so much suffering, Christ not only allows himself to be touched by the sick, but he makes their miseries his own. He took our infirmities and bore our diseases, but he did not heal all the sick. His healings were signs of the coming of the kingdom of God. They announced a more radical healing the victory over sin and death, through his Passover. On the cross, Christ took upon himself the whole weight of evil and took away the sin of the world, of which illness is only a consequence. By his passion and death on the cross, Christ has given a new meaning to suffering. It can henceforth configure us to him and unite us with his redemptive passion. The great St. Paul is the one who says, I am making up for what is still lacking in my flesh. I am making up for what is still yet lacking in the sufferings of the mystical body of Christ, the church. So for those of us who are in this situation, or you know of someone who's in this situation, and they can be quite, quite Debilitating, it can be quite depressing, they can lose their desire for life. Woe is me, what is there? Like Job, lamenting like Job. But remember, Jesus comes to suffer with us. With him, it's redemptive. And that's where um, I always remember my grandmother. Off, offer it up,
0: honey. Offer it up.
1: United to Christ, in other words, with the Lord. It's redemptive. It has purpose. It has power. Don't waste whatever it is you're contending with. It doesn't have to be a physical malady. It can be a situation in the family. You know somebody you just can't seem to get through to, no matter what you do. Just offer it up, because Jesus couldn't get through to some too. Remember? So hardened were their hearts. So stiff-necked were they. But he didn't stop loving them. He died on the cross still yet and offers that same gift of mercy and love. So today, we're being invited to approach Jesus, the physician, as we receive him in the Holy Eucharist. And perhaps even after Mass, when you receive the blessing of St. Blaise, the bishop and martyr, it may not be for you, but you can take the lead of Simon and Andrew. Tell the Lord about what's going on, big and small, If it matters to you, it matters to him. He wants to hear about it. He wants to attend to it, as he knows best. And by the time all of this is said and done, we can continue to move on the way with the Lord in the company of the mystical body of Christ, who has the charge to worship God, to serve God, and to evangelize. Tell the gospel to the world. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord who heals the broken hearted. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord who heals the broken hearted. One last thought. You know the city of Capernaum by Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum is actually the name, Capernaum. It comes from the Hebrew Nahum, which means comfort, taken from the 40th chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah, going through to the 66th chapter, the final chapter of the book of Isaiah. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah are known as the book of wool, the book of the wars. But from 40 on, the very first verse of the 40th chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah says, Comfort, comfort my people Israel. The Lord knows your plight. He knows mine. He knows what ails this world. He is the answer to the question which is every human person on the face of this earth. And he says to one and to all, come to me. You're burdened in this life, you're weary. Come, learn from me, who am gentle and humble of heart. Take my yoke upon you. It's easy, my burden, it's light. Come, learn from me. God love you.